0: and a hundred dollar discount is available if you register before May twenty seventh. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode number twenty two of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is a podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and we're at the end of a mini-series on three steps for how you can study the Bible. Let's dive in. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the three steps to help you study the Bible. It's really three questions that you need to ask for great Bible study. Now, I just want to spend a moment and do a quick review, but if you want a fuller explanation, I would encourage you to go back to episodes number 20 and 21 of this podcast and listen to those at length. Now, to set the stage, let me reiterate this overwhelming concept that if you are a Christian, it is vital to your spiritual life for you to be in God's Word. See, it is God's Word that gives revelation and truth and insight. It is His Word speaking to us today. Now, we firmly believe as evangelical Christians that the word of God is truth and it does not change. We can rest our weight. We can, we can put our confidence in his word. In fact, it becomes the measuring rod and the boundary for our lives. In other words, how do I know how I'm supposed to live? Oh, well, I'm supposed to get into the word. Now, my interaction with the word is so critically important because if I want to grow and mature in my faith, I need to be a man, or in your case, perhaps a woman, of the word. Now, in good Bible study, as we mentioned in the past, there are three questions that you should be asking. These are really three steps to help you go deeper and gain a greater understanding of not only the passage, but a richer depth of meaning, as well as a greater intimacy with Jesus Christ. So, we've talked about the first two in the past, but let me just review them. Step number one, or question number one, is this idea of observation. We're asking the question, what does the text say? What do I see in the text? In other words, I, I come to the text and and I just I set my presuppositions aside and I'm merely asking the question, what do I see in the text? What what's going on? Now, again, we've made the statement that it'd be great if, if you grab a piece of paper or open your computer and make a list of observations. Just just give a bullet point list of, oh, this is going on, and oh, I see this happening, and oh, I see how this is tied into this. And, and again, we've mentioned this in the past, but ask great questions. Ask who, what, where, when, why, how, what for, where, and all, all that kind of stuff. Ask questions. It's going to help you dive deeper into God's Word and figure out what on earth this thing is saying. Now, it's also in the observation stage where I can bring in some grammar or or original languages. I I can start, you know, uh, looking up some word studies. And I really want to engage with the text and actually figure out what does the text say. Now, as I'm working through this observation stage, uh, eventually there's this nugget that kind of comes forth. In fact, I'm asking the question in the step number two, which is interpretation. What does this mean? Uh, What does this text mean? And and again, I'm I'm not asking what does it mean to me. I'm asking what was the author's original intent to his audience? See, in in our case, in in our example in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing a letter to those in Philippi. Now, he's not writing a letter to Nathan in 21st century. Now, obviously, Philippians applies to my life, but I'm not asking the question, Oh, well, how, how does this affect me? Or what does this mean to me? I want to know what Paul is saying to those in Philippi. So as I'm making all these observations and I'm, I'm really wrestling with the text, I begin to ask the question, all right, what was Paul articulating in Philippians? Or in, in, say, the book of Joshua, what was Joshua saying to the Israelites as they're just entering into the promised land? Or whatever the case may be in whatever book you're studying. See, I, I want to gain the concept. I want to gain the insight or the gold nugget, if you will, of what was the author trying to communicate now what's so amazing is as i'm as i'm making observations and i'm just sitting and soaking in the text and just asking the author himself asking god would you just give me insight and wisdom and understanding to what this passage says he begins to give insight and as i do word studies and as i really wrestle with the text and i'm asking what was the author trying to say there's this nugget there's that concept previously mentioned, that starts to come forth. Now, once I have that concept or the nugget or or the meaning behind the text, it is then and only then I can move on to the third stage. So again, step number one is observation. And I'm asking the question, what does the text say? What, What do I see going on in the text? Step number two then is interpretation. I'm asking the question, what does this passage mean? Now, what does it mean to me? but what was the author trying to articulate? What, what, what's the concept? What is, he, what is he going after? What is he trying to tell his audience? Now, once I have that concept, then I can move on to step three, which is application. And I'm asking the question, what does it change? So I make observations. What do I see? I'm asking for interpretation. I'm trying to figure out what does this passage mean? And once I have the concept, I apply that concept in my life and I ask myself, how does this change my life? Now you realize, for a good application, uh, it's not just me trying to come up with a you know a checklist of oh here's some good ideas. I'm really laying myself before the Word of God, saying, Word of God, examine my life. Does does this concept, does this truth, re- reflect itself in my life? Uh, for example, say the concept was love your neighbor. I could quickly take that truth into my life and say, do I do that? Do I see the people around me and say, "Oh, I'm just filled with an overwhelming sense of love for them. I'm just, I'm consumed that they would know Jesus. I'm just, I'm delighted for them to get into, the, in, into God's word." So again, I'm taking the concept and I'm, I'll, I'm setting myself before God's word and I'm allowing the word, like a double-edged sword, to pierce my life. And to bring revelation, into how I'm supposed to live. Now you realize that the, that the end goal of sorts is. The life transformation. See, we've all done Bible studies and we've left going, whoa, great truth. But if we never applied into our lives, we always remain the same person. See, my desire is not to be the same person next week as I am today. See, I, I, I don't want to be the same guy a year from now as, as I as I was a year ago. See, I want a continual progression and transformation in life and life and movement into the realities and the fullness of all Jesus is in my life. See, I want to take God's word and I want him to apply that into my life where it becomes the word becomes the measuring rod for my life, where he is constantly taking my life and bending me around God's word. See, God's word does not change. See, I don't take God's word and bend it around my life. God takes my life and bends me, shapes me according to the unchanging word of God. Now to see that played out, let's go to our example in Philippians chapter 2. If you've been following us from the last couple of episodes, we've been examining Philippians chapter 2, specifically verse 5. And if you have your Bibles or if you're at a location where you can look at the text, I would encourage you to do so. But Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, Paul says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Again, some, some translations say, Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, as we were examining this, we realized that it's not a me go out and accomplish this. This is not, oh, would you go out and do something? What Paul is articulating to those in Philippi is, Hey, there is a mind, there is an attitude, there is a orientation of living. Uh, There's the whole focus and, and bent of your life. And Paul is saying, don't have your own in the, in the Greek word is phroneo. It's that mind attitude orientation. Paul says, Hey, don't have your own orientation of living. You are to have the orientation, the mind or the attitude of Christ Jesus that, that I'm to allow him. It's, and again, it's in the passive voice, which we talked about in the last episode. Hey, would you allow Jesus to give you his mind? Would you allow Jesus to give you his attitude? Would, would you just allow Jesus to give you his orientation of living? Now, as we, as we previously mentioned, this is fleshed out in verses 6, 7, and 8, when Paul is talking about, oh, let me describe the mind, the attitude, the orientation of Jesus. He says... He he says stuff like he emptied himself, he took on the form of a servant, uh, he humbled himself, he was obedient, even obedient to the point of death upon a cross. Uh, We also mention in in verses 1 through 4, Paul is giving the explanation of what this mind, this attitude, this orientation of living looks like lived out in in the body of Christ. He says stuff like uh, that we are to be in unity, that, that nothing is to be done out of strife, or concede it's that selfish ambition, but rather in humility, esteem others better than yourself and look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. He says, do you know what the mind of Christ looks like? Do you know what the whole orientation and attitude of Jesus was? Oh, it's never ever think about yourself, pour your life out, live in humility. It's that empty yourself idea, live as a servant Hey, become obedient. Just just humble yourself. Embrace the cross and allow the cross to be the definition of your life. See, see, that is what it means to be a Christian. See, that's what it means to be filled with the mind of Jesus. See, that's what it means to have his orientation, his attitude, and his bent in your world. See, what would it look like, Paul says, if you would live that way? So that's the concept that we talked about last time. Now, How then do we apply this into our lives? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have to go that far in my life to say, do I act in self-interest? And I have to admit, mercy, (laughs) isn't it true? Most of our days are just wrapped up in ourself. See, we wake up in the morning. What are we thinking about? Oh, me and myself and what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear and and how you're going to treat me and what I'm going to do down at the job. And see, my whole life revolves around me. See, what would it look like, according to Paul, if I didn't think about myself? See, see what would it look like if, if I didn't have to live in the self-centeredness? See, what would it look like if, if I could have the mind of Jesus where I was constantly pouring my life out? I was constantly serving the people around me. What would it look like if I was constantly rolling up my sleeves saying, Oh, how can I serve? How can I meet your needs? Hey, how, how can I pour my life out? for your for your behalf. How can I empty myself? Hey, I want to embrace humility and I want to embrace obedience. Hey, how how can I serve you? Do you realize that's how Jesus lived? And if I'm going to have his heart and his mind and his attitude, he wants to do that in me. So if I'm taking this in, into the application stage, I would set myself smack dab in the middle of this passage in Philippians chapter 2 verse one through 11 and just say, Jesus, is this evident in my life? Is this, is this the truth? And is this the reality? And again, I I just come away convicted. See, Paul says in verse three, let nothing be done through selfish ambition, but in humility, esteem others better than yourself. See, do I live that way? Well, well, I try. See, that's, that's not in the passage. The passages, let nothing, and I love this, the word nothing in the Greek, guess what it means? Nothing. See, I am to have nothing in my life that's done with selfish ambition. Do you know how hard that is to live out as a as an American Christian? See, in America, the whole idea is, well, you know, climb the ladder of success, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. See, it's that, see all ingrained in our mind that, hey, live for yourself and turn inward and Paul says, what would it look like if you didn't turn inward? What would it look like if, hey, if I just poured my life out? What would it look like to, to in verse four to, to look out not just for my interests, but hey, for the interest of other people? See, what would it look like to live and have the mind of Jesus? What would it look like if he really implanted in my life his orientation of living? And again, this is passive. This is this is not me go out and do it. This is, hey, would I allow Jesus to begin to do this in my life? Don't you think that's how he wants to live his life through me? Don't you think if my life is filled with the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God wants to birth that in my life? Boy, I am guilty of not living that. Paul says, hey, I command you, have the mind, have the attitude, have the orientation of Jesus. And this is not something that you can, you know, grit your teeth and pull off. See, this is, this has nothing to do with WWJD kind of things. This is not you try to accomplish it. This is, oh, would you allow the spirit of God to give you his froneo? See, that's the idea of application that I don't want to just learn a great truth and run away with it. See, I want God to take my life and plant it smack dab in the middle of the passage and say, hey, is this is this being birthed Is this? Is this being lived out in my life? And if it's not, could I humbly embrace Jesus and say, you've got to do this in my life because I have no hope outside of you. See, that's my desire for you. My desire is that you would come to the word with an open heart and with an open mind and with humility and say, Jesus, I want you to take your word and form that, form this truth, for, take this reality of living, take, take your life and implant it within my own. Hey, would you change my heart? Would you change my mind? Would you change my language? Would you change how I just live? Would you, would you take, hey, you have access to every part of me, Jesus. I don't want to be the same person As I am today. So Lord, refine and reshape and remold and transform my life as I get into your word. That is what I long for you. Now, next week, we're going to look at one other example and kind of tie all this stuff together and kind of walk through this three-step process of observation, interpretation, and application all in one fell swoop. So, hey, if you would like to join me, I would highly encourage you this week to uh, just spend some time in the book of Acts chapter one. And we're going to look specifically at verse eight. Personally, I would read uh, maybe the whole book or sorry, the the whole chapter one of Acts, uh, specifically verses one down through verse 11. And I would just sit and ponder and think through verse eight. So again, I encourage you make some spend some time and make some observations of this passage. What's going on in the passage? What do you see happening in the passage? Again, uh, kind of look at some of the context. I would encourage you to maybe do some word studies on stuff like uh, receive power. What does it mean to be a witness? Uh, what, do, what does it mean to actually go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? What did it mean in their context? Uh, and then begin to ask the question, uh, what was Jesus saying to the disciples here in the passage? Uh, why did Luke include this, this statement of Jesus right before he ascended into heaven? After you get all that in the concept how does this how does this affect my living? How does this how does this change my life? Again, my desire is that you would fall in love with God's word and be transformed by it. And again, I don't want to just come to the word for academics. I want to come to the word of God to know Jesus, to have a greater relationship with him. Now, as a reminder, the show notes of this episode, including the cheat sheet I've mentioned previously about observations, as well as some other great articles on this idea of Bible study. Now you can find all of that on the show notes page of my website at deeperchristian.com forward slash 22 for episode number 22. And thanks again for listening to the Deeper Christian Podcast. Until next time, know that I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.